0: Hey everybody, it's Charles from HumbleMechanic.com. Today, we're talking about becoming a better technician. This is episode seven of the Humble Mechanic podcast. All right, so today is going to be a great episode, hopefully get you charged up and motivated to get yourself in the best position that you can possibly be. We'll talk about a lot of things regarding becoming a better technician, but really, like so much we talk about here, you can apply this to anything that you want to get better at. As we travel back in time to these old episodes, remember these are very lightly edited, usually I only cut the front and back off, so they make a little bit more sense. And in this one, I talk a little bit about the Black Forest Oktoberfest being this weekend. It's not going to be this weekend, if you're listening to this anytime soon when it comes out, but... It is going to be October 14th, 2017, so maybe I'll see you out there. Hey, before we get into the episode, remember if you like the show, you like the work that I do, you want to throw some support my way, there's a couple of things you can do. The best way for you really is to join the crew membership. This is the premium membership program that I have set up. It scores you exclusive content, discounts to places like Mycanic, s and Automotive, MT Knives, Eurowise, Eastwood, and more. In addition to those discounts, there's a private Facebook group, and you get downloads for the training manuals that I build for my VW Audi training classes. Those are $355 a pop. There's four on there right now. I have three or four more that I'm going to be adding very, very soon. So you're at almost two grand worth of value right there in those books. So check that out. There's a link, of course, in the description. If that's not your cup of soup, you can throw some support over on Patreon, some cool stuff there, or the easiest and freestest way for you to help support the show is to use my Amazon link. You click that link, you buy whatever you want to buy. You were going to buy anyway, automotive related or not. And I get a little bit of bump back from it. And it costs you not one penny more than you were going to spend anyway any which way you like. If none of that works for you, that's cool too. You can always share the show and that does help out so, so much. I really appreciate all of that. Or hey, throw it a rating on your favorite podcasting platform. All right. So Charles, from the past, how do we become a better technician? Hey everybody, Charles for HumbleMechanic.com back again with another episode of the Humble Mechanic podcast, the automotive podcast where we talk about many things automotive. I won't say everything because there's Definitely stuff that I don't know anything about, and uh, you know I'm not afraid to admit that. Today is a really, really cool topic, something I'm super passionate about, something that I've had a lot of experience in, and that's uh, becoming a better technician. Not the best technician, because if you're the best, I hope you're not watching this. Actually, I hope you are watching this, but you probably got more important, cool things to do than, uh, than watch my little show if you're that good of a tech. Um, This idea came to me from someone on Facebook that shot me a message and said, Hey man, I'm trying to become a better tech. Can you help me out? What are some steps? What are some ideas that you might have for me? So uh, this one's for you and everybody else that wants to be a better technician. Before we get really deep into the topic, a couple of things. One, I'm a little under the weather today, so my voice probably sounds even more nasally and weird than it normally does. Um, If there's any weird pauses in the episode It's probably because I had to stop and uh, sneeze my brains out. Fall allergies uh, can be tough on me, but uh, that's okay. We're going to have a really great show today, and uh, I'm going to teach you guys about uh, becoming a better technician. Also, Black Forest show is this weekend. As long as the weather is permitting, I'm going to have the cabbie out there. Excited about that. It's her first car show. Uh, I don't expect to win anything, but it'll be fun to, to get her out there and have uh, have people laugh at it? If you've never seen the cabbie, uh, I'll throw a, a link in the show notes, and uh, you can just click on uh, the Love a Dub project, and that's uh, that's the VR6 swap cabbie that uh, that I did last year and early this year. Also, if you're not a technician, you might be thinking, Charles, why the heck do I want to watch this? I don't care. I just don't want to get ripped off by a mechanic. Well, if you know what it takes to be a good technician. If you know what a technician goes through to really be the best they can be, um, one, you're hopefully going to find the best technician you can in your area. But two, it'll, it hopefully will give you some ideas and some questions to ask a technician when you're interviewing uh, someone new to, uh, to be your guy. And I really do recommend having your own guy or gal uh, to, to work on your car. So let's get into it. Main topic, how to become a better technician. Um, being a technician, I think is a lot harder than people understand. It's a very physically demanding job. Um, you know, weird positions up like this, hunched over all the time. Uh, a lot of technicians have back problems, knee problems, wear and tear on your hands. Um, it's, it's very, very physical. It's also very mental. Uh, we talked about flat rate last week or the week before. And, um, you know, that's, that's a real mind screw with, with having to work really hard, doing jobs that you're not getting paid quite as much time as you, you have in it. And uh, it's, it's hard at times to, to sort of balance that. And cars change all the time. Every year there's a new car, uh, a new model change. A lot of times the information that manufacturers give is very, very limited or vague. So staying on top of the, uh, on top of the game, so to say can be pretty tough. Um, We talked about tools last week. Tools are expensive, and uh, I won't say that good tools make good technicians, but um, good tools can make a technician better for sure. We'll actually talk about that later on in the show. Um, I've broken it down into six key, key things, six areas that I want to focus on in helping you guys improve to be a better technician, and that's documentation, repair logic, customer service, mechanical skills, diagnostic skills, and education. Now, repair logic and diagnostic skills kind of overlap a lot, but I like to break that apart a little bit and, uh, and talk about them separately because repair logic is something that you do no matter what. Diagnostic skills kind of drills down into a very specific uh, piece of the repair logic puzzle. First up, I wanna talk about documentation no matter how good of a technician you are or how bad of a technician you are or how new a technician you are, uh, documentation is probably the easiest one to to hone first. Um, I think documentation and customer service, actually, for me, are are the two easiest. But documentation sounds simple. Write down what you did. Put down in your notes um, all the tests that you did. But it's one that I see technicians really, really lack in and um, you know, that costs us money in the long run. So good stories, making sure that when you're doing a repair and you're doing diagnostic, you're writing down on the repairer all the information that, uh, that you need, what tests you ran, what the results of the tests were, any kind of printouts of fault codes. Uh, you know, There's the idea that a check engine light tells you exactly what part to replace. Well, Having the information that the computer gives you when you plug it into the car, having that printed out is very important. Basically, when you're doing documentation, you want someone with very basic knowledge of a vehicle and repair logic to look at an RO and go, okay, I understand why he ran this test, and this test, and this test, and this test. I have the results of the test. So let's say a service manager can say to a customer, Mr. Customer, here's all the information that my technician did, here's why he recommended that part. I, got, I have his back, I understand why he recommended that. So documentation is vital, vital, vital stuff, guys. Um, explain, Explain everything, explain it as thoroughly as you can. Um, (laughs) The joke is, you know, uh, on a repair order, pulled car in, replaced part, pulled car out. Well, that's that's a really good way, one, to not get paid anything, especially on a warranty claim. And it really does make you look like a joke as a technician. Uh, Explain the whys, explain the hows, explain the results, explain why you're taking the next step. Basically, think of the documentation as your gateway to explaining to the customer what you did on their vehicle. And it can go very deep into legal things and stuff like that, but uh, we're gonna leave all of the legality out of it. Just remember that a repair order is a legal document and it's something you need to take very seriously. Next up, repair logic. Repair logic is gonna probably wind up being a show all its own at some point. Um, you know, it's, there's a structure to it, it's different for everyone. I have my own process that I do when I'm diagnosing a vehicle. I know other guys in the shop have their own process when diagnosing a vehicle. So it really, de- your repair logic really depends on you and your experience, your comfort level, um, what tools and equipment you have, what the problem is with the vehicle. You know, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't take a car initially on a 30-mile test drive because the tire pressure light's on. We need to think in logical steps. That's why it's called repair logic. Makes sense. Um, So developing your process is probably the most important thing. That really does come with time and experience and effort. You really need to make sure that you're, you're developing steps that make sense. Again, you're not gonna take a vehicle on a 30 mile test drive first for a tire pressure light logic would dictate, the very first thing you would do would be to check the tire pressure. Um, So, yeah, think think logically when you're developing this process. Think about the steps. Think about, what do I need to do first? What do I need to do second? What do I need to do third? Focus on the system that you're working on, but not to the exclusion of the entire system. You know, that tire pressure monitor example that I brought up is a really good one. Um, Is it a problem with the tire pressure monitor or like Volkswagens use ABS, so do I have a wheel speeds problem? Um, do I have the wrong size tire? We wanna make sure we're using logical steps, logical steps to uh, develop our process and, and make sure we're doing things in ways that, that aren't doing the hardest thing first. We wanna work from easy to hard. Uh, electrical issues, for example, you're not going to cut wiring harnesses open and inspect wiring first. First, you're going to check the fuses. And you know, there's a whole lot of before I cut a wiring harness open, I'm going to do work easy to hard. That's that's as simple as it gets with repair logic. Work easy to hard. And don't forget to ask questions. This is one that I think I've really tried to work hard on in the last um six months to a year and that's getting getting good information from a service advisor getting information from the customer throw down you know when you're looking at the repair order and analyzing what the problem is before you even look at the car think of four or five questions you might want to answer Have the customer answer this is jettison making all his jingle noise by the way sorry about that guys Um, think of four or five questions that you might need to ask the customer How long has it been doing it? How long has the light been on? Uh, Is there a certain time of day, as crazy as that might sound, that the problem's better or worse? Leave the questions very open-ended so that the customer has to explain to you what's going on. The more information you can pull out of them, and sometimes it's very hard, but the more information you can pull out of them, the better prepared you're going to be to take the very first diagnostic step. So always think, Is this the easiest step that I could do? Is there something easier? Uh, I think Eric the car guy said it best in a a video he did about turn signals. And that's diagnose as much as you can without looking under the hood of the car, for example. Or just by reading the repair order, what can I know about the vehicle um, just from the information that I've been given? So repair logic, use logic to repair the vehicle. Customer service. Customer service is one that early on I was really good at, but I did spend a lot of years, and I think I've talked about it before, a lot of years in the customer service industry working retail, um, working in sales. So that, To me, that one came very, very easy, without question, really, but I have seen a lot of guys struggle with it over the years. There's the mindset of technicians belong in the back, service advisors belong in the front. Well, one, I think those days are dead. And if you're that technician, you're really missing out on some incredible opportunities. I've always sort of ran what I did based on me having my own little shop. And every customer that came to me was my customer. Sure, I want customers to come to the dealership. Sure, I want the rest of the dealership to be as busy as we can possibly be. But I want those customers to come to me first. I want my customers. And, and you really develop a really cool customer base and you get to become friends with them and, uh, and that's really awesome too. So how do we get there? How do we get to that really, really great relationship with the customer? It all starts by talking to them. Couldn't be simpler. Just, hey, Mr. Customer, how are you doing today? How's the Jetta? How's the Passat? How's your BMW 337 or whatever? I don't know if that's a BMW thing or not. I'm a Volkswagen guy, so um, 337 GTI is probably what I have in my brain. Uh, Just talk to them. It's easy. I mean, they're customers. They're just people just like us. So um, sometimes they're not, but, you know, for the most part, customers just want to come in, get their car worked on, and go about their business. So just remember, if you always think we all have the same goal in mind, Talking to customers and helping customers and test driving with customers, which is a huge, huge thing, all becomes very easy. We all have the same goal in mind. Remember that you're there for them. They're not there for you. They can get their car service anywhere. Um, there may not be another customer lined up behind them. So always remember we have the same goal and that you are there for the customer. The customer should should be thankful that you're there to help them, but... You're there to help them, not the other way around. So keep that in mind. Just talk to customers. Be nice to them. You know, if you've had a really crappy day and you're all gruff when you walk up to the service drive, uh, customers can pick up on that really well. They're already expecting to have a sort of a gruff mechanic type thing happening a lot of times. So try and break that mold and really give them a a good positive experience. And I promise you that will help you win customers over. And make sure that when they think about, oh, i got to get my oil changed, They don't want to go anywhere else but to talk to you. Next up is mechanical skills. This is the one that seems to be the simplest, but can be be very challenging. Um, And it can be something as simple as just being comfortable using tools. Hand tools, power tools, air tools, whatever. Um, Our brains have to sort of become accustomed to this type of action, you know, looking at a problem and going, okay, on this fastener, a box wrench would be the best way to remove the bolt. On this other fastener, it would be a ratchet with a socket on the end of it. That would be a better way. Or I might be able to get the bolt out faster with the ratchet, but at some point there's an obstruction on the other side that'll prevent me from from removing the bolt, or maybe my ratchet gets stuck and now I can't get the bolt out i can 't turn the bolt back in and my ratchet's stuck. What do I do? Developing those skills really does come with time and experience and, and all of these do all of these with time and experience should be getting better. Your goal should always be to get better. but uh some advice on mechanical skills, I think for me is really look at the look at the problem, I guess differently and and by problem, you know that bolt example that I just gave um, there's one, and I think it's like a V6 Passat four motion. That if you replace the catalytic converter, you know, most cars, all cars, I guess, you're probably doing from the bottom working up. Well, there's one fastener that it's almost impossible to get to from the bottom end of the vehicle. Stop, think, use our logic, lower the car down, and lo and behold, if you take the airbox out, the bolt's right there no problem. But you'll spend 40 minutes screwing around with it, trying to do it from the bottom when stopping and thinking about it. You just do it from the top side and and it's no problem. So things like that really look at the problem, you know, turn your head at a different angle or walk around the vehicle. If you're working on the passenger side of the vehicle, walk to the driver's side and look at the component that, that you're, uh, you're dealing with and see if maybe you see it from a different angle and that goes, Oh, if I take it off from this side, it'll actually be much easier. The other one with mechanical stuff is tools and tool quality. We talked last week about tools, so I'm not going to go super deep into that. But having better quality tools really does make the job easier. Um, Again, like I said at the beginning, it's not going to make a bad technician good, but it'll make a good technician better, um, whether that's in efficiency, to do a job faster, to do a job neater, any of that kind of thing, um, having the right tools for the job, all part of an important part of mechanical skills. And uh, another good way to sort of hone your mechanical skills is to watch how other people do things. You know, we all have, like I said, a a different repair logic process. Um, Everybody or most everyone does things slightly different. So watching what the guy next to you does and seeing, seeing the approach that they take to it can really help you you know hone your own skills as well i've learned a lot by watching the people around me and how they operate luckily i've learned a lot more about what not to do than what to do but there's some razor sharp guys that i work with so uh, i'm trying to always watch what they're doing and see see if maybe i can pick up some on some of those skills and uh, make myself a better technician next up is diagnostic skills This is one that probably takes the most work to be really good at, and the better you get, usually the harder problems you get, Um, but the better you get, the faster you get, and again, the whole goal, work fast, get the car fixed fast. Initially, it sounds a lot like repair logic, because we talk about developing a process, having a plan, but again, like I said, it's To me, anyway, it's a more narrow focus than a repair logic. Repair logic, to me, is kind of the big picture, and diagnostic skills are a narrow, narrow, laser-focused section of that. So, how do we improve our diagnostic skills beyond just diagnosing cars? Um, A lot of things, especially in the dealership level where you're working on the same car line, You see similarities, and monitoring those similarities is very important. We know that in the Golf, in the Jetta, in the Beetle, and in the Passat, they may all have the same engine block, parts bolted immediately to the engine. It may have other systems that function a little bit differently on every vehicle. So we need to understand where things are the same. Also remember that things aren't always the same even though the engine or the transmission might be be the same one, um, I think another really, really important thing, and I tell all the new guys that come through the shop, is keep good notes. If you can start a journal from day one and write down every weird repair that you ever come across, imagine imagine the book that you would have on fixing, you know, Fords or Chevys or Hondas or Volkswagens. Had, had I know what I know now, I would have started that day one, and I would have 10 years worth of, worth of incredible information on diagnosing cars, and think about what the value to, um, you know, experienced technician that can maybe hand that down to somebody else, or uh, another tech in the shop comes to you and says, hey, I've had this problem, uh, have you ever ran into it? And in the back of your mind, you go, oh, yeah, I've seen that, it was four years ago, flip, 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 flip through the book bam, there you go, here's the information, here's what I had, here's what I did to fix it, here's the steps that I took, um, and, you know, don't do all of these other things that I wasted on my time. Start with this and move forward. Another thing that can really help you, and this it's so important to understand what a good car looks like. When you diagnose check engine lights or when you diagnose drivability concerns, that don't have a check engine light, it's so important to understand the way a good car behaves because we could be looking for a problem that's not a problem. You know, I use the check engine light example a lot, but what I see more with that kind of thing is things like radio issues or perceived radio issues, Bluetooth issues where customers are having issues with their phones pairing or um, the, the phone pairs fine, but maybe the, the sound quality is poor understanding what a good car is and what a good car does is very very important now at the dealership we really do have an advantage because if i have a 2014 jetta that's doing something weird well hopefully i have a whole fleet of 2014 jettas out on the lot that i can whip one in the shop hook the scan tool up evaluate some measure value blocks or you know engine data and uh and see what the new car is doing. So now I can compare the car that has the problem to a vehicle that I know is a known good vehicle. In the aftermarket, you may not have that option. So keeping keeping good information, running what they call baselines, and that's where you take a car that you know is running in good running condition, evaluating all of the conditions of the engine, you know, the airflow reading, the oxygen sensor reading, the coolant temperature sensor reading, and really understanding in developing sort of a feel for it, you know, I've developed a feel for what an airflow meter reading should be on a properly running 1.8 Turbo Passat. So I know there's a range, but I have an idea of what I want it to be. If it's within the range, good to go. Move on to the next thing. If it's slightly above or below the range, I keep that in the back of my mind as I'm working. So run the baseline. Keep those notes, keep it all in that journal if, if you can, and that's, that's going to help you out in the future because we remember the cars that really kick our butt and the, the really crazy things like, you know, the, a rat chewed up the wiring, but we forget the ones that were challenging but not super challenging, and those we kind of put to the back of mind, and that's the one that someone's probably going to see again, and uh, to be able to have that information to recall is, is very, very helpful. Next in the diagnostic skills realm is knowing systems. And it kind of goes along with understanding the baseline and, and doing that stuff. But you really have to understand how the system works and what its purpose is. If we're trying to diagnose a check engine light for an evaporative emission system and we have no idea what an evaporative uh, emission system does, it's going to be challenging to understand you know what we need to do next when we have no idea what the system is. And I think uh, Chris from ASE brought it up uh, in, a, in another episode on the show notes, he, how that is, is common, that people don't understand the systems. They lack the, the education and the understanding of the system to properly work on it, to properly diagnose it. You know, you can't do advanced engine diagnostics if you don't understand the basics of an engine. Understanding the system is very, very important the best way to hone your diagnostic skills and this is just flat out the way it is is to practice get better at it do it more often and if that means taking the hardest diagnostic job that will roll through the shop do it if that means pulling in a car that you know is hopefully not a customer's car where you can do things to it like disconnect disconnect things disconnect an oxygen sensor Disconnect the throttle position sensor. Watch how the vehicle reacts. Pretend you're the customer. So if you disconnect the throttle position sensor and the idle's going up and down and up and down, sit in the vehicle, drive the vehicle, try and experience these things from a customer standpoint so that when a customer says, hey, my car's idle goes up and down and up and down, immediately you think, okay, I've seen this problem before. I know it might not be this problem, but I understand the behavior of a vehicle when the throttle position sensor is unplugged. And in the real world, it's probably not unplugged, but maybe a wire to the connector is broken. So now you've, you've assigned this feeling of how a vehicle behaves to a certain concern. And you, that brings us back to the other thing where now you understand the vehicle. You understand a good car. You understand a bad car. You develop sort of that gut feel And uh, that'll help you properly diagnose vehicles more often and faster. When you're running tests, know why you're running the test. So a good example is a transmission concern. We're going to use repair logic to diagnose a transmission concern. There may be, we'll call it a harsh shift between first and second gear. Well, we're not going to take the transmission out of the car and open up the case just to see what we see. We're going to run a bunch of tests, and we're going to get to a point where we go, okay, my next logical step is to remove the transmission and look at the K1 clutch and the solenoid that controls it because that's probably where the problem is. I've looked at all the other solenoids. I've looked at all the other clutches, and those there can't be a problem with because if there was a problem with those, my vehicle would be doing this. There can only be a problem in that one system, on that one clutch. You know, we don't want to just willy nilly do things. We want to have a good process. We want to know what tests we're going to run. We want to know why we're running the tests. We want to make sure we were recording every result that we get. I think we kind of lull ourselves into this false sense of security that, okay, when I'm doing the report or doing the documentation end of it, I'll remember all the tests that we did. Well, you might, and it could be you know, a 30-minute diagnostic, and odds are in a 30-minute diagnostic, you'll probably remember all the tests that you ran. You might not remember the specs, but you're going you're gonna to recall the range of the spec. But I promise you if it's a system that maybe takes two weeks to diagnose for whatever reason, you might not remember what you did on day one, hour one. Write it down. Write it down. Write it down. One more time. Write it down. Because if you don't write it down, you're flirting with disaster on forgetting it. And if you want to get paid, especially under warranty, you can't forget that stuff. Because no one's going to pay you four hours of diagnostic to check wires. But, you know, warranty time might pay you four hours of diagnostic to check from ECM connector, you know, 91-pin connector pin 87 to, uh, you know, throttle valve control module, connector 6A, pin 2, you know, resistance values volt drops, pin drags, uh, wiggle tests, all of those things you have to be as specific as you possibly can in keeping track of it because you may not remember that the resistance was 1.4 ohms in two weeks. And it also is going to help you if you're really stuck and you're on week two of trying to figure out this vehicle and you can go back and look through your notes and go, you know, this value doesn't really feel right. Let me check it again. Or let me check it in on the vehicle under a different condition. Maybe the vehicle needs to be warm while this problem is occurring. A lot of times you can see some of that in the, uh, in the diagnostic printout that you, that you did at the beginning. But, uh, Keep good notes as you're going through the process. It's going to help in your documentation. It's going to help in your diagnosis. It's going to make and sort of shape your repair logic process based on what you find. Again, if you have a car with a tire pressure monitor light on, step one isn't a 30 mile test drive, but that very well may be step three. So keep good notes, keep good notes, keep good notes. Last up is education. And this is one that I think is, can be really challenging, especially for, really for anyone, you know, my experiences in the dealership, but I also have a ton of information that comes out from the dealership, uh, or from the manufacturer rather, far more than I could ever really keep up with. I do find that to definitely be one of the most challenging things about my job is to be able to keep up with all the information that comes out new models, changes in systems. And then there's the information that doesn't come out that we don't find out until you know you're trying to go back through uh, a self-study program or you know trying to learn more about a system and you realize mid-year they changed something because the manufacturer of that part went out of business or couldn't produce the quantity that they needed. So the new part functions slightly different than the old part. But that slight difference could actually be the the difference in fixing the car right the first time and not. Um, Don't use the excuse of I haven't been to class or I'm not certified in that. There's one exception and I think that's going to be hybrid technology. Um, I assume that most manufacturers require some sort of certification to be either hybrid or uh, electric vehicle certified. If if your life is at risk, yeah, you can say no. but other than that, don't use that as an excuse to not try and diagnose a vehicle. Um, you, again, go back all through what we talked about. Skating out of the diagnostic process is the one that's going to not help you learn or get better whatsoever. It's just going to actually make you a worse crabby technician. So where do we get this education from? Um, manufacturers. They put out so much information. Like I said, it's it's mind-boggling how much information comes out how much information is out there. It might be buried 75 pages in a book, but it's out there, and uh, you just have to really do the work to to try and find the information. The other one that is actually an incredible resource that I know as a dealer tech, I I discount quite a bit, and that's the manufacturer of the parts. You know, Bosch has incredible information out there, and uh, Bosch has incredible information available online, in forums that help you understand the part at the part level Um, you know high pressure fuel pumps are a great example the internal workings of them that's not a lot of information that Volkswagen has put out but you can look at the manufacturer of that specific parts website information and go oh you know see blown up pictures of it or cutaways and really understand what is happening inside the boxes, you know, inside the high pressure pump, or inside a fuel injector, or inside an oxygen sensor. And uh, if you need, if you get to the point where you need to understand it at that level, the information is out there. Coworkers are an incredible source of information. And I don't mean, hey, man, what do I do to fix this car? I mean, you know, talk to your team leader, talk to your shop foreman, and if there's something you don't understand, ask, 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 ask. Uh, they, they probably know more than they're going to tell you, but if you can get you know, 40% of an answer, well, you just increase what you know by a, a certain percentage. So education's important. Education is one that, as a technician, you're going to kind of have to lead the boat on. Um, you know Volkswagen, the way we do it is to be certified every year, we have to go to one instructor-led training class. Well, if your training class is 20 minutes from your dealership, you're good to go. If your dealership is six and a half hours away from the training center, well, you know that gets really expensive to pay for two nights of a hotel, three nights of a hotel, travel, paying a technician, paying for the class, paying for a bunch of stuff. So don't use not going to class as an excuse on, on not knowing how a system works. Make sure you're pushing yourself to understand, to know, to learn the new stuff, to remember the old stuff, and uh, you again, you can't you can't properly work on cars if you don't understand cars. You can replace parts, you can do some stuff, but to be that top level technician that you want to be, uh, you really need to understand the systems and educating yourself on individual systems, understanding how all the individual systems are intertwined into this, you know, rolling 4,000-pound thing that's as much computer as it is sheet metal um, is going to make you a really, really good technician. So just when we're dealing in all these things, don't forget that educating yourself is, is so, so, so important because service managers and general managers want to push for really good top-level smart technicians but a lot of times, they're not going to drag you kicking and screaming to a training center. They're going to want you to take that initiative. And taking that initiative is a really good step to show a dealership or a service station that you're, you're committed to the cause, so to say. And you, know, you have high goals and high expectations of yourself. And if I were a service manager, I would be more interested in putting the time and money into someone like that rather than someone that just comes in to turn wrenches all day long. So we've talked about a lot. Right? That's a lot to sort of wrap your brain around. Uh, Six areas on on how to be a good technician. Documentation, repair logic, customer service, diagnostic skills, mechanical skills, and education. Uh, You're not going to be an ace technician on your first day. Understand, like I said over and over, um, all this takes time, all this takes practice. Just don't sit back and expect someone to do it for you or expect it just to happen. You have to drive the ship. You have to be the one to to want to get better and to really push yourself and, and be the best tech you can be. I have very little recollection of being sick while shooting that episode, but I think the value in the content definitely outweighs the even weirderness in my voice than it normally has. Guys, thanks so much for listening. Remember, you can also follow me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and of course, always on Snapchat. You can subscribe for even more content on YouTube. There's a lot of videos that just simply don't work in an audio platform, so you can check that out. I have links to all of those things, everything you could possibly want, on the blog at humblemechanic.com. All right, guys, hey, as always, thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you next time.